personal branding, like it's on all the time. People are always going to be interpreting your personal brand in a certain way. I mean, the way to build a brand was to uh, grab a big budget, throw it into traditional media. Whoever could find the most ad spots was the winner. But now that trend has obviously flipped entirely. But anyone can jump online and really start telling a story. Mm. And, th and that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. Well, especially social media. There's no barriers to entry. Anyone can say anything about themselves. The digital platforms are an amplification tool. Right? They're not the story, they amplify your story. They amplify something you have to say. But if you haven't figured out what you're gonna say, then <laughs> exactly. like, yeah. we can't create miracles for you. Hello everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Art of Demand. It is a very exciting episode today because it is in fact the first one off the show. In a world where digital platforms and the I want it now economy has taken over the way that we operate in every aspect of life and business. Many sales, marketing, and business teams are being led astray. We're focusing on vanity metrics, clicks, impressions, shares, even leads, MQLs. Marketing was never meant to be about all of that. It's time that we bring the conversation back in marketing to what it was always really meant to be. Generating, capturing, and converting demand into valuable customer relationships. If you can find and influence your audience to demand what you have to offer and demand what you have to say, you can scale and grow any organization with infinite potential. On this show, we're going to be running through a range of tactics, strategies, and discussions around mindset to develop your company into a growth-driven, demand-driven organization and practice the art of demand. So on this week's episode, I have Lana Hill with me. Uh, Lana, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ali. I'm excited to be here. It's, uh, I think this has been some time in the making. We've spoken about uh, a couple of different conversations, but it was time to really make this happen, right? Yeah. As I said to you, I, I'm really impressed with the, you know, the process and the thought that's gone into the art of demand and the whole, yeah, the whole kind of purpose behind it. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For the, for the benefit of the audience, so Lana is, uh, I, I don't want any, for anyone who's watching the video version, I don't want them to be fooled by her young looks. <laughs> Lana is a super mum with over 20 years experience in small and large business environments. And the thing that really excited me about having a conversation with you, Lana, was the fact that, you know, PR strategy has quite a connotation attached to it, right? But you're an individual with a lot of aptitude around sales, marketing, branding, and commercial strategy. And combining the different disciplines and really paying attention to and leveraging all of the different tools that are available to an organization, that's really how you drive success, right? So with that in mind, I mean, today's conversation is all about how we accelerate performance in a sales, marketing or business context using PR strategy, how we drive growth. So first of all, I mean, tell me, Lana, how are you feeling about this conversation? <laughs> After an intro like that, I'm, yeah, that was a thank you. It's very, um, very kind. How am I feeling about this conversation? I really like the conversations we have, Ali, because they do go fairly deep. Um, but I think, that, as you said in the intro, I guess when you look at marketing, sales, PR, and it is something that I really like about you and what you guys do at Invicta, not to make this sound overly promotional, but it is holistic. You have to look at it as a part of a total machine, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'm. I'm still. Great. Yeah, feeling good. Let's, let's jump into it. So <laughs> let's do it. Let, let's segue, I guess, then into the uh, you know the first part of this conversation. What I would love to unpack is really what PR strategy is all about. As business leaders or business builders, we're all pursuing ways to raise our status or profile or yield more attention. Right? We're all on this journey to try and acquire more customers or whatever it is that's important to us. Yeah, and. Through my experiences over the years, uh, you know, alongside working with you uh, directly as well, I've come to recognize the value or how great of a value um, a strong PR strategy can bring, bring to your business. But typically PR strategy, and I'm, I might be speaking from a little bit of experience here, but PR strategy, you know, either comes across as something that you do when your company is in crisis and it's reserved for the corporates, right? So there's some connotations attached to it, or it's uh, perhaps you know you've you've seen um, you've seen shows where the famous individual has this PR person that you know saves them after a night out where they've been photographed doing things that they shouldn't <laughs> be doing. 
But yeah. I've come to learn PR strategy is so much more than that, right? So I want to understand in your words, what, what is PR strategy? Big question, yeah. It's all of those things and more. So um, is it crisis management? Absolutely. Is it investor relations? Absolutely. Um, is it editorial media, which is what Leverage specialises in and which is, I guess, where my skill set lies? Yes. But media is only really one part of PR and it's, you know, public relations. Yep. So just, you know, it is how your brand is perceived in the public arena and it is things like... Um, you know, even launch events, it's um, public, you know, workshops or whatever. So it's really about how you engage your audience around your brand message in yep. really simple terms. So, and you'll find there's lots of different PR agencies out there that specialise in lots of different things because it is such a broad area. You don't want to try and be, you know, everything to everyone. Yep. Why, I mean, I've, I've obviously had my own experiences with PR activities, right? And uh, one of the things I've come to recognise is that PR, marketing, sales, branding, they actually all overlap quite nicely. Yeah. And sometimes it's even difficult to separate uh, each of these, right? Why, why should people pay attention to PR strategy? Why is it something that they should adopt if you think that, that they should? Yeah, uh, really good question. And, and yes, I definitely do think PR should be adopted. And again, you know, it might just be one part of the overall PR machine that a business chooses to adopt. Um, but yeah, they, they totally overlap. Why should it be considered? Because, you know, brand storytelling, brand engagement, really genuine, authentic uh, connection with audiences, not just your potential audience, but your current audience and, and customers. Yep. It's so critical and it, it is about being top of mind. I think we all get so many marketing messages all the time, sales messages, you know, however you want to categorise it. The messages we get are so frequent and um, kind of overwhelming at times. You have to make sure your message is connecting authentically and cutting through. And I really do think that, especially editorial media, but other things speaking um, you know, whatever, all the different things that we can use, um, those things working in tandem is what will create that really long-term engagement. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, for the context, I think for the audience, uh, I'll also clarify that the PR exercises, activities or the branding that we develop can apply in a company or a personal branding context. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, so what are the benefits for either, depending on which strategy you decide to embark on? Look, company PR or brand, you know, and it might be sort of more related to a product specifically or a yep. service is really beneficial. I, it's a big, yeah, again, covering off a, a big topic in one question, but it's usually around like a launch. It might be a rebrand. It might be, I don't know, like a book launch or something like that on a smaller scale. But in my experience, I think a company PR, if you're looking at kind of more proactive PR, unless you're looking at, yeah, crisis management or media monitoring and stuff like that, it's more sort of specific and targeted. Whereas personal branding is something that's obviously like it's on all the time. People are always going to be interpreting your personal brand in a certain way. And I think yeah. that's why I get really excited about editorial media coupled with kind of a p personal brand strategy yeah. because – now, I mean, you know, consumers want to hear from the person behind the brand. They want to hear about the CEO. They want to mm. understand what makes them tick and their values and all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's why I love it because I – and I don't think that trend is going anywhere. I mean, I was banging on about personal brand about seven years ago and yeah. it's only going to keep picking up and I think it's exciting. I think it gives you an opportunity as a leader to show – how authentic yep. you really are. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's, it's the world of digital connections, right? Everything has been scaled up, whereas 20, 30 years ago, it would take you, you know, I mean, I mean the way to build a brand was to uh, grab a big budget, throw it into traditional media. Whoever could buy the most ad spots was the winner. Yeah. But now that trend has obviously flipped entirely, right? Now anyone can jump online, and I might be simplifying the process a little bit. No, you're right. But anyone can jump online and really start telling a story. Mm. And, th and that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. Well, especially social media. There's no barriers to entry. Anyone can say anything about themselves. So I think that's where traditional media and kind of modern media is how I think about it. Digital media. Um, yeah, that's that's why it's so important now, I think. Yeah. Yep. We, uh, obviously in our line of work, we uh, work on a lot of acquisition campaigns, right? So the majority of our work is with people that come to us and say, hey, we've got this objective, we want to scale the revenue, number of customers, so on and so on. 
And one of the toughest conversations for us is when we're kicking something like that off or we're trying to figure out how we're going to build it, we're identifying perhaps that they don't have the profile or the status or that their brand story's not worked out. We can create all kinds of you know fancy campaigns and leverage all the digital platforms and tools that are available to us, but the digital platforms are an amplification tool. Yep. Right, that they're not the story. They amplify your story. They amplify something you have to say. But if you haven't figured out what you're going to say, <laughs> exactly. then like, yeah. we can't create miracles for you, right? But the I think the toughest thing um, in that conversation to sort of get to the end of that string is how do people quantify the value of these activities? Mm. If I'm going to work with you and you will help me craft a story and get my name out into um, certain uh, bits of media build my profile with an audience, how the hell do I measure all of that, right? <laughs> how do you and your line of work tackle that uh, particular problem? It's a, it's a really good question. Again, it's, um, there are lots of different ways you can quantify it. I mean, I know myself and you know, Ali, you're a client, obviously we, we aim, like we have certain goals and metrics internally for, for ourselves. So we know that if we want to get you, for example, one media hit a month, we got to pitch about four or five times that, sometimes more, because media is, and it's kind of why I love it, you know, it's a beast you just can't control. There's so much outside of your control. But there are other ways to quantify it. Media monitoring is a really interesting space, um, you know, and it's effectively how many times your brand or your name is being mentioned out there in the media and social media as well. I mean, you can qu- you can quantify it in advertising equivalency is another way of, of quantifying it, but yep. that's quite an old school measure as well. So, look, I think it just depends on what your goals are. And if you work backwards from, okay, well, Ali, why are you looking at doing this and what, what are the goals that you're trying to achieve through PR, yep. um, that's what we try and link them back to. But it really depends on the goals of, of the individual and of the business. Mm. It's it's a tough one because is. Not, not everyone is a long-term thinker. Yeah, and <laughs> me being the big picture thinker that I am, you know, I, I sort of see it as a well, it's a necessary component mm. to you achieving your grand ambition if you have one. So I guess you've got to identify what that grand ambition is. I mean, if if you're a company doing a million dollars in revenue, and you know you, you haven't raised any funds yet, you're sort of uh, in that uh, initial stage. Really, you're still a startup. How can you justify perhaps investing one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year worth of whether it's placements or energy or time or resources. Mm. So if I could, let me encourage you to get a little bit more existential, right? Like founder sitting in front of you looking to make that kind of investment. What are the reasons for and what are the reasons not to go down that path? Yeah, you have to know why. Yeah, absolutely. Like, What are you going to do with that bigger audience is the first question that I'd ask. Because as you said before, it's about amplification what are the reasons for building credibility, building a stronger point of difference, you know, building brand awareness and, and being more top of mind? Um, you know, it, it even has SEO implications and I'm yep. very, very aware of the fact I'm sitting in a digital agency <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not an SEO expert. But uh, there are lots of reasons. I mean, even social media, like when you couple a traditional media placement or engagement on social media, so you've shared that, you know, you've been featured in Smart Company or The West or Inside Small Business, whatever it is. Yeah. That combo is really powerful as well. I mean, some people just do it for ego. Some people do it for fun, you know. So there's, in my opinion, there's not really any right or wrong way, but the reasons not to do it, yeah, obviously it's expensive. I mean, it's definitely expensive, but that's even like whether you're investing in a PR agency to do it or whether you're investing the time and energy yourself to pitch yourself and develop all of those relationships with with Mm. journos, it's expensive from a time perspective. It's a constantly changing beast. So I I shouldn't call it a beast. I mean that with love. Um, But yeah, I think you've got to, the biggest reason not to do it would be if you look at your whole strategy and the foundation and realise actually we're not ready for this yet because we haven't got enough of a handle on our message. We haven't got like the right strategy in place. And look at us two strategy nerds sitting here. But it's true. Like so, uh, a lot of people have come to me and said, Lana, I want to do PR and my first question is why? Yeah. And if they don't really know the answer, then I, I mean I've turned people away because yep. I don't want to take their money, to be honest, if yep. they don't know why they're doing it. Yeah. So what's a good answer? When's a situation where someone gives you an answer you're like, 
fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a good reason, uh, a good answer when there's more than one reason, when it's part of a multi-layered kind of even cross-platform kind of strategy. So, yes, personal branding and, and developing a stronger personal brand I think is a really good reason. Legacy is one of my – I don't want to play favourites, but that's one of my favourite reasons actually. I get really excited when I hear that because it is a long-term answer. Yeah. I think people that think PR is going to be a silver bullet, mm. I get really nervous because I think I know – I mean, yes, I'm I'm reasonably good at what I do, but I can't create miracles. The media yep. is just not that kind of yep. thing. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think when there's more than one reason, you know, yep. it might be a bit of personal, it might be a bit of business. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's when I get excited. There's an opportunity to tell the story. Mm. Having worked as a sales, marketing, business strategist in you know different kinds of um, disciplines uh, over the years, one of the you know one of the biggest Objectives when you're running a sales team, for example, and I think any any business lead, anyone trying to build a business is in essence trying to build a sales team. Yeah. Right? Whether it's directly through their own effort or they're trying to find someone to do it, even if they're doing their own sales, if you're earlier stage, one of the things that you want is for people to regard you when they get to you. You want people to have respect for what you do before they get to you. So true. Right? Yeah. You don't want to end up in six, 12-month conversations with someone because like, if we use your application, right, you don't want to have to educate about PR for 12 months in the sales conversation because that just means they're not ready for it. It's a really good point. Yep. And if there's a level of respect for what you do and how you do it before they get to you, you're shrinking sales timelines, you're raising average spend uh, with the customers raising their average spend, that your conversion rates are going up. There's, there's actually so many commercial benefits, right? Directly attributable, perhaps not in the, the short term mm. as one might want or expect, but there's, there's in fact a lot of commercial, commercial benefits to this. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that people should do it. I agree, Ali. I was just thinking I should like I should get you involved in the sales <laughs> my, pitches. Yeah, my sales conversations. You're right. It shortens it shortens the sales conversation in yeah. very basic terms because people have kind of already made their mind up before they've spoken to you. Yeah. And then yeah, all you need to do is that last little ten or twenty percent. But you're you're a hundred percent right. It converts. It yeah. means things will hopefully convert faster. Yeah. Yeah. We're obviously, as you know, I'm all in on. Uh, raising our profile, building our PR, right? But doing it in an authentic way. So uh, I, I speak from experience here, but one of the, sh- the mindset shifts that encouraged that was uh, was really around when the business started to shift in how we conducted our acquisition, how we looked at our long-term marketing strategy. It came from this desire to want to have meaningful, authentic conversations with people. We wanted to develop marketing and pathways for people to get to us, wherein they were already educated on what we felt they needed to know, the way they need to follow and uh, our way, right? So when we sit down for a conversation, it's not, I'm not trying to teach you ABC. Yeah. We've made a fair bit of progress already. And crossing that sort of uh, canyon, that's really where I feel a lot of the uh, challenges are for people looking at activities like when it comes to, you know, PR strategy. Is that something, do you resonate with that having spoken to people uh, in your line of work and having those sales conversations or do you have a different view on it? No, I, I agree with you and I think um, it's a really – it's a basic saying but it's one I use a lot. You, you have to assume that your client or your consumer, they don't know what they don't know. Yep. So, you know, the fact that like with your brand and Victor and I know obviously now because we've been working together for a while but you guys do things in a really different way and that's exciting but you also – need to assume that perhaps your potential client or customer isn't necessarily going to understand that, you know, in in um, in fullness. So, yeah, it, it is a way obviously of making that point of difference a lot more compelling and making that kind of aha moment, that moment of understanding where your client goes, yes, okay, yeah, I get why they're good at what they do and, and the value that it brings. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Value. Yeah, yeah. Our, uh, our experience with PR uh, started – before we actually took on a formal PR strategy per se. Oh, you've never told me this before. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it, <laughs> I think it's more of a reflection rather than you know a, a proactive effort. Yep. It was more of a recognition rather than like, hey, we've got a PR strategy. And you know, to my point earlier, like a lot of people don't understand what a PR strategy is either. It's actually, in my opinion, and you 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, it's the collective sum of all the activities you do to raise your profile or status and establish a story, right? And I feel that that, you know, I mean, one aspect of that is media engagement, getting placed in certain newspapers and articles and all the traditional stuff. But it's actually everything that you do to promote your name, your story, your brand, and even acquiring customers. I, I heard a saying once, and uh, forgive me if I don't quote it word for word, but the best way to build a brand is to serve your customers the best way possible, mm. right? Just serve your customers well and you're building a brand. And that in essence is almost like a PR strategy in itself, yeah. right? Because the more advocates you put out there, the more your profile grows because you're doing something exceptionally well, right? So I, I go on a little bit of a tangent there, but if I kind of wind back to our own experience, uh, you know, we started running a number of events uh, about 18 months ago. Yes. When we made the shift to really educating a community and giving away some of our best material, one of the things that was born out of it was our events. Mm. But then we started looking at our narrative. So not just in the visual sense where perhaps, you know, earlier on it was like, hey, you know, which sculptures will look cool in our brand because we've got this <laughs> historical narrative. You know, it became about the essence of what that brand is. Yeah. And I believe we were living it from day dot in some way, but it wasn't as defined. But when this shift took place, we really nailed what our story was. We nailed what we stood for. We nailed our philosophy. We nailed our approach. And then that started to show through in all the initiatives. Yeah, exactly. Right? The events were one example. Our, the work that we do together is the next evolution of that. But, you know, n not everyone gets to go through that journey and perhaps that recognition. So where should people start when it comes to PR strategy, right? Like what should, and, you know, it could be a founder, it could be an early stage startup or company, or it could be a, a mature marketing team that has to drive change within their organization. But what are some of the ways that people can start these exercises? It's It starts with, <laughs> it starts with strategy. It starts with brand. It's the story. Like you just said, you know, story there a few times. The reason why building a story into a brand is so important is because of emotion. Yeah. If we can anchor into something emotionally, and I mean, I know this because I was a salesperson for in not was I am a salesperson, but I know if you can if you can meet an emotional need of a consumer in any kind of activity, whether it's sales, marketing, PR, whatever, mm -hmm. then that loyalty is going to be stronger. They're kind of they're compelled in a really different way to they're more likely to talk about you, for example, favorably word of mouth. So where should they start? It is the story. It's the it's the values, really. I'm quite old-fashioned, but, like, identifying brand values is actually – can be quite tricky, especially if you've already got an established business. Yeah. But values are, are really the first building block and then obviously layering that strategy up. And there's so many different ways you can execute on a brand story or a brand message. Like, social media is one way. Website is another way. Like, all of the different ways – um, but yeah, I think that's really the very basic level of where you need to start because then if you're putting a message out there to an audience and and it's not clear, they yeah. won't be compelled to take action because it's kind of muddy and wishy-washy. Yeah. If, if you're projecting a really razor-sharp message that you know aligns with your objectives and brand values and all of that stuff, you just, you're going to get them to take action way quicker. Yeah. I Leading up to our conversation, I really reflected on how someone starts off something like this, right? And uh, one of the uh, one of the examples that came to mind was the Marvel universe. I'm a Marvel fan, so <laughs> I like this. Uh, I've I've uh, I've been watching those films as far back as you can go. Awesome. But what are the things that stand out in the Marvel universe when you look at each story, right? Every single hero villain has an origin story mm. and you know them for that story. They're archetypes. Archetypes. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And in fact, I think a lot of marketing literature probably has used the Marvel archetypes as examples as well, right? But they all have an origin story. They all have a vision story. The values are then clear as to what they stand for. And then that same story is repeated again and again and again. Exactly. It's consistency. Yeah, yeah. it's trust. There, there has to be a level of predictability because your audience is going to resonate with one archetype yeah. more than another, yeah. for sure. So. Would I be right in saying that perhaps a good place for a lot of businesses or founders to start is to determine what their origin story is, determine their vision story, and just work on repeating that everywhere? 
tell it to everyone, post it everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, again, because we've worked together, it's one of the archetype exercise is one of my favourite things to do. And one thing, actually, a point to make is often your business archetype and your brand archetype is going to be different to your um, personal brand archetype. We, we had a bit of debate on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> we did. We totally did. But, yeah, it, and it, it uh, comes back to psychology, which is, you know, obviously good marketing has that psychological element. But again, it anchors back into emotion. So I think, yeah, obviously we, you know, we're here talking about PR. But with anything brand, marketing, storytelling, any of that stuff, you've got to anchor back into something really concrete because otherwise it's just noise, you know. Yeah. And, and there's so much of it out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to I want to circle back to the question of commercial value, right? Mm-hmm. The my my sense or experience tells me that the toughest thing that people deal with is an understanding what PR strategy can do for them. Just like with branding and any activity that's not as directly measurable. And basically having the stomach to invest in it or, (laughs) you know, knowing what to go and look for, what to invest in and getting started, right? I I mean, I I outlined some of the things that I believe drive direct commercial impact. And the, you know, sales and marketing aspects are, are, are an obvious one. In your experience, what other benefits have people derived from a strong PR strategy that's well executed, has gotten cut through? Are there any particular examples that you've seen where someone's really like achieved something? Yeah, definitely. And look, you've got to look at PR more broadly now in in answering that question than just media. But, and I speak from experience, the same, like this is what happened to me and this is part of the reason why now I, I do what I do. But... When I started doing more media as, you know, a consultant running really a very small business, I was being approached by a larger demographic, so East Coast as well as over here, for paid speaking opportunities, brand collaborations. Just my kind of pool of opportunities got wider. Um, It became more lucrative, I guess, Um, and... I think that's also what you need to consider with something like media. It does dovetail really nicely into other things. Um, I have heard actually not, I don't want to say plenty, but a lot of stories of one media engagement Mm -hmm. having a transformative effect on Mm -hmm. a business. Mm -hmm. It's not something you ever want to promise as a PR, you know, practitioner. I'm going to hold you to that now. (laughs) It's possible. All I I heard was it's possible. (laughs) It is possible. Um, But again, you know, there's so much in the media about being in the right place at the right time. You know, the media narrative is something you just can't control. You can, all you can control is you, your brand, your story, what you're doing. And yes, of course, the quality of your message and all of that stuff. But I, because media, you you don't get paid for editorial media as the expert. So you're the expert, Ali, you won't, probably you know not to say again it's impossible but the the talent or the expert doesn't get paid for an editorial media engagement yeah um you are selected on the basis of your opinion and your expertise and your skills whereas obviously for a speaking gig you know but if you get selected for a speaking gig because the you know the person planning it has seen you in the media i mean that's where it's exciting right when you couple all of those things together so that's how i like to look at it and look you know that's why we do do it the way we do at Leverage because it's not just one part. It's all of those things working together. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was an article written actually back in 96 and I find it's still just as relevant today. It's in, you can find it in the Harvard Business Review. Uh, Michael Porter, uh, sort of, they call him the king of management in right. essence. But he has written an article called What is Strategy? Right. What is strategy? We throw the word around like it's, it's a free-for-all, right? Yeah. We, we distribute it like we're all... Um, masters of strategy, but what is strategy? Can you say what strategy is? I won't throw you under the oh, bus. Oh, that is a good uh, <laughs> look. The thing that I'm going to sort of answer your question indirectly, there's a massive difference between strategy and tactics. I define strategy as, I guess, the overarching plan, um, but it is, it is, I guess, the holistic big picture kind of bird's eye view of, you know, getting from A to B. But it's, it's not, there's, yeah, again, there's a really big difference between strategy and tactics. Yep. And it's about more than one moving piece. Whereas yep. a tactic, in my opinion, 
and I've had this argument with people before. Um, I don't want to argue with you, Ali. Uh, yeah, whereas the tactic is the immediate action that gets taken. Yep. Uh, yep. Strategy is the is the overall plan. Yep. Did yep. I get that right? You're covering parts of it. <laughs> covering parts of it. No, we're on the right track. Look, in his article, so Porter speaks about operational effectiveness and strategy and draws the distinction between the two. Yeah. Operational effectiveness is doing things in your business in a better way. Right, but if you just continue to do something in a better way, anyone can emulate that. Yeah. Right. Like I can learn from uh, these days. Everything is available publicly. I can learn from Lana's experience and go, "Hey, she built this standard operating procedure. Let me also do it in a better way." Yeah. Right. Whereas strategy goes beyond that. Right. S- strategic propositions, value propositions, once developed, they are the differentiators, but they need to be discovered. They need to be researched. They need to be tested. So there's two parts to this conversation. Uh, firstly, you know, when we build strategy, when I look at strategy in my own company or we work with other people, we look at activities that are accelerators, mm. right? So in your business, every uh, every so often, in your personal life or your business, every so often you have an activity that you invested in mm. or some event took place and it acts as an accelerator to everything that you do. Yeah, true. Right? You kind of like... You go through these ebbs and flows, right? Business, obviously, as we all know, there's uh, nothing game-changing here. It's not like this. It's yeah, all over the place. And those accelerators are what propel you forward. Now, um, I mean, my view on this uh, conversation around activities like PR strategy is that that's something that needs to be considered as an accelerator. But it has to be discovered because you're building a story. You're not, you know, it's n- not a... Uh, a Lego box with a clear description of where each piece goes and you just build it together, Yeah, you have to go discover it. Absolutely. Right? And you have to test it. So you've got to be invested in it. So to expect that you'll just go into this thing and then you'll get all the yield you want, <laughs> that's obviously, you know, that's very naive. It is, yeah. Secondly, so you made a comment before about how, you know, one activity will, will feed into the next. And one of the things that, uh, one of the things that he speaks about in the article is uh, fit of activities, activity mm. fit. In a good strategy, one activity fits the next. It's an interlocking fit. Yeah, right. So the value of one successful activity is perhaps one unit, but the value of two successful activities is four units. It's not direct. Wow. It's not relative, right? So it's not each one gives me one. It's kind of like, you know, if I put – 100 people in front of you, right? And out of those 100 people, you go, I'm an incredible salesperson, Ali. I will close 30 of them. I'll close 40 of them, right? I would. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's why I was leading there. I know you probably want to give me some higher numbers than that. You, you, you'd probably close 80 of them. No, right? no. But, you know, th- then we sort of go, all right, it took us $100,000 to get those 100 people, but it cost us another $100,000 to make ourselves look like superstars, build our profile. Yeah. Right? We invested in the right PR strategy. And now we've got 100 people, which actually now is 200 people, mm. and more of them actually want to work with us. So I'm going to do some maths. And for anyone who's not- I as, hate math, Ali. <laughs> and I hope I don't get the maths wrong either, but <laughs> you know, 30 of 100 is 30%. Yep. 30 of 200 is 60, right? But because these people now want to do business with Lana, because they've seen Lana everywhere. Mm. Lana's the superwoman, right? Instead of 30%, you've got 60% of people that want to do business with you. So you'd see 120 customers out of that yep. instead of 60. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you, yeah. Like the, the numbers theory, are right. So, so sorry, you, you don't have to try and calculate <laughs> them. But, but you know, what, what I'm illustrating there is, and I think not enough people understand this, it's that, yes, that $100,000 that you spend is a risk. So you have to make sound decisions in your strategy. Yeah. Don't go throwing money at something just because, you know, two people on a podcast said this is what you should do. But don't be afraid to invest capital just because you can't see the end yet. I that, couldn't agree more. So, you know, that, that's like when we talk strategy, I really feel that that's where people's focus needs to be in that there are activities which you can invest in. So if you're running lead generation campaigns, if that's the type of business you run or you're a marketing team um, that's required to generate leads, and there are channels where you can do that easily. You can generate your 100 leads or whatever amount you need and you can just continue to improve the performance a little bit. But you will only get so far with that. Yeah. Right. 
But then there are activities you will need to discover. That's a process that requires experimentation, faith, investment. Once you discover those, that's an accelerator that you might be able to leverage for the next 10 years. And I threw you know, leverage in there Thank as, you. as a little Thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> Easter egg for you. But that's really the bottom line. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's about timing as well. I, you mentioned that. You mentioned it somewhere in there about, you know, we go through those times in our life, uh, in our, you know, personal and business life where, yeah, it's everything's moving really quickly and then it might sort of slow down a little bit. I, yeah, I, I would really encourage anybody that's thinking about it, media or PR or whatever it is, do the strategy first because even though I have a relatively, certainly not as analytical as you, Ali, but I have a relatively an analytical mind, I'm also... I guess, a bit intuitive in that you can feel when you're starting to step into that heavy acceleration zone as an individual or as a business. So if you've got that strategy sitting there and you know, okay, well, not when the time is right because it sounds a bit woo-woo, but, yeah. you know, timing is everything. So if you know that there are factors at play that are going to, yep, this is all very favourable and now we're going to enact our um, or activate our PR strategy – I think that makes a lot of sense because it's not going to be right all the time. Yep. It's not something you can extract a yield from, to use your language, all yep. the time. Yep. But again, if you're taking that long-term view, I think, yeah, it's almost certainly going to have, have yep. benefit. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's, it's a mindset really, isn't totally. it? Totally. It's, yep. you know, in business they say your, your network is your net worth. Yeah. One way of looking at things. And it's an extrapolation of that in essence. If you adopt it as a culture and as a mindset, and you consistently chip away, you're consistently exploring, then eventually you'll find new lands. That's really how it works. Yeah, right? agreed, agreed. Yeah, and sometimes it is really hard to measure, but I really respect the conversation that we've had around how do you actually quantify it um, because it is yeah. hard. It is a hard thing to do. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it, you know, this sort of, this just goes back to the idea of building accelerators and being willing to find them. Mm. I, I, I'm quite an ambitious individual, I like to think, and I, I believe I'm sitting in the room with another one as well. So we, we, we probably, <laughs> you know, we, we connect on that and we're willing to take risks yeah. for the grander vision. Yeah. And you can attribute things to your grand vision. That's ultimately what it comes down to. If something is not measurable today, which in this kind of instance it's not, it may be measurable down the line. So you just have to, if you can't measure in today's context, I think you've got to look at what is the broader context? You know, what is it that I'm trying to achieve in five years or 10 years? How could this play a role in that? And then is there a way that I could measure the impact of this? If my vision is to, uh, you know, just scale this company up as an example, right? And I know to do that, one of the things that we'll need is to attract lots of people, lots of talented people, and we want the best in, in the industry. Well, yeah, we, we can put job ads out and offer salaries, but we need people to see more than just a job and a salary and a list of benefits. Yeah, right? 100%. So it, it, there's a mind shift needed, mindset shift need, that's needed because you have to think about the impact of these things across many different functions, across the longer journey, across uh, your grander vision. There's the, I think the key is that you have to learn to attribute to different things and not uh, not chase the instant gratification all the time. Absolutely, right? yeah. And look, I think yeah, it's it's true in marketing as well. I think you've you've got to look at the whole thing more broadly. Um, otherwise, you won't take the risk because, of course, it's a risk. Everything in business is a risk. Everything in life is a yep. risk. Like opportunity cost is. Something that, I, weirdly, <laughs> I didn't actually uh, fully pass economics at a <laughs> university, but that that was a phrase that still sticks with me today. There's a, yep. there's a cost to everything. Um, yep. But the opportunity, obviously, the risk needs to be needs mm -hmm. to be worth it. Well, sometimes it is, sometimes yep. it's not. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Lana. Sure, Ali, let's do I've it. Been, I've been asking you lots of questions, but this is a special one. Okay. If you overnight became the most famous person in WA how would your business look differently? What would you do differently? What would I do differently? I would uh, scale faster. How? With well, more staff. Okay. Yeah, I'd build a larger business, I guess. I'd build a bigger team. I'd have more money, arguably. So you've got to commercialise it first, don't you? But uh, yeah. I would use that 
to, yeah, I guess grow and scale the business. So I had money to invest in other things in Mm -hmm. the business. And then on a really personal level, uh, and we were talking about this before, there's some stuff I love to do that is still business related, but that really the major joy I derive out of it, it's personal, like it's just fun. So I'd I'd do more of that stuff as well, because as much as I am a very uh, career business oriented human, um, I think, you know, you've got to have other reasons other than just business related reasons. Yeah. Okay. I think was that a right or wrong answer? Or? There's, there's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. I think that's what I do. If but how do you define famous though? I know you're um, a, you're a man that likes definitions, but like how do you fame? Is it like yeah. are you famous or are you infamous? Like what's yeah. the, <laughs> the, the There's some circumstances where I'll overlook the definitions, but uh, look the, the the mindset shift so um, you know, my, my personal journey, mindset shift I've had to go through. And mm. I think a lot of that's taken place in the last few months as well of us working together. Awesome. But one of the mindset shifts that I've had is that I'm an individual who I believe is uh, fairly ambitious. Yep. I've got financial ambitions. I've got commercial ambitions. I've got lots of different ambitions. Yeah. And I am perhaps guilty of believing that some of the things I want to do in life and in the world and the causes I want to pursue, either through my own effort or through my companies, is something I should do one day. When I'm successful, mm-hmm. then I can do it. I right? hear you. Yeah. But taking a more active voice in the public and reflecting on our brand, our narrative, our story as a company, and then seeing what that means for me personally, because I think when you're a founder, a lot of your personal values and vision is tied to that company. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've recognized that the two are not apart in that you can pursue your causes and there's nothing wrong with building a profile and extracting commercial value from that because more people know you because you're pursuing your causes. I think sometimes people think that, oh, well, because it's a cause or it's something that I believe in, it needs to be detached from the commercial side of things. Yeah. Right. Like this shouldn't be promoting my business. It's not right. But what I've recognized is and I believe where I'm leading with this is this is perhaps one of the biggest mindset shifts is that I can genuinely pursue what I believe I'm meant to do. I can genuinely focus on the activities that I believe will further my visions beyond just this particular business. But then that will also support my business because if you develop a profile, connections and a network through whatever um, it is that drives and inspires you, that spreads around, right? And eventually the good shit you put out in the world will come back around <laughs> to you, right? Absolutely. You know, re- relating that back to the commercial environment, right? So uh, that perhaps comes across a little bit, bit of, you know, feel good and That's okay, feely, <laughs> but, which is perfectly fine. But if we sort of, you know, we think about it in a commercial setting, take a marketing team as an example, trying to explain to their leadership why certain PR activities are important, right? Why they should invest in giving back social causes. It's, there's an education piece that's needed across the board, right? And the education piece I feel that's needed there is the understanding of how these activities can actually translate to real commercial value as well. You can do good, be seen in the media, be public about it, pursue a cause, invest in it. You'll also get the commercial value for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, along the many mindset shifts and especially some of them having uh, us having worked together, uh, you know, one of the th- another one of the things I've come across is that uh, a PR strategy, particularly a, a media strategy, is not so much about just getting placed in things. Mm. You have to have real initiatives to talk about. And I think it's also an accountability piece because when you sit down and think about what you can say to the public and you have a single day where you're like, fuck, I don't have anything I can say. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a real point of reflection. And, uh, it, you know, it can... It can actually, those kinds of activities, whether it's PR strategy or uh, any, it can make you reflect on like, what is it that you're actually what doing? What am I doing here? I, doing? I see the angle you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. It's about reflecting on yourself as a leader. What value am I adding in the broader sense? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's really true. Look, in answer to your question you posed earlier around why should you, I almost think it's a question of you can't afford not to and not yeah. necessarily PR specifically, but... Can you afford to hide behind 
a business brand and not come forward as a leader and communicate your value and your values, yep. no, you can't. Not today. Mm. And there is a very commercial, um, uh, measurable commercial impact of businesses that have that faceless brand. Yep. It, you can absolutely throw numbers behind that. So regardless of whether it's PR or marketing or whatever, brand storytelling in any shape that takes, you, I just really do genuinely believe you simply can't afford not yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Look, we're in the we're in the digital age, <laughs> right? Like every, everything is moving at yeah. such a rapid pace. Yeah. And as I was saying, I mean, I read an article in 96 and it was relevant then, then and I find it so relevant now, but people can emulate what you do. Like yeah. you, you can spin up a business in any space now and you can learn everything you need to about how you run that business. Granted, there is experience and what we call tacit knowledge and yep. you know things that you only learn when you develop intuition. Yep. But you can learn things in theory like that now. Totally, right? so exactly. And I'm not like just to hark, I guess, to my own personal story when I started in media or my own professional story, I certainly wasn't the best at what I did at the time. Yeah, yep. I, was, I was good, but I wasn't yep. like that good. Yep. But I was the only person in my industry in my space at the time that had a national media presence. And yep. that, that doesn't make me amazing, but it just means that I made the most of an opportunity that – Yes, there was a little bit of luck involved, but when you get an opportunity, you've got to grab it and you've got yeah. to run with it because then you can turn it into something bigger. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think, what it translates to. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's really the key here. It's discovering opportunities, not being tied to the outcome if there isn't one immediately yeah. obvious and trusting the process, following the right process, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to segue into some tactics and some sure. more practical uh, pieces of information. Okay. Right? So if you consider marketing teams that are perhaps dealing with leadership who doesn't quite understand it, or uh, consider founders, people that are earlier stage, perhaps with not so many resources, is there anything that you can think of that a team or an individual may or could do to start off their PR building strategy? What are the tactics people can use where it's, uh, I, I don't want to use the term you know quick response or low yep. cost but how can you bootstrap this activity to get you started yeah you definitely can uh and i do actually talk about this a lot because as much as um you know obviously we're an agency i love the education side as you know so after you've <laughs> obviously we've talked a lot about strategy strategy first then you know if you're looking at the media specifically identify the media that is going to be relevant to your overall business objectives mm -hmm. and to your audience and to your brand mm -hmm. there are lots of different types of media out there mainstream media lifestyle media industry media business media yeah. educate yourself on you know the target essentially yeah. because yeah. if you don't know anything about you know the target you're just so much less likely to hit it right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Educate yourself, start tracking, you know, maybe five or ten different target media and start to understand the language because it kind of is like learning a language and it is one of the reasons why I like the – I really like the title of the podcast because media is art and science. It's both. Um, but you've got to kind of understand it a bit first. Even just a fundamental understanding is going to be beneficial. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have a much better chance of matching your message with the media narrative. Yeah. Then there's, you know, obviously a lot of skills like media writing, media performance, um, you know, all of those things that, you know, they're sort of the fine tune, I guess. But yep. they make the difference, the one percenters, you know, yep. that those things really do make a massive difference. But start start at the very basic level. Yep. Yep. The, the soft skills of... PR strategy, yeah, right. The writing, the engagement, the speaking. So, in identify, I think that's a good place to start, right? Identifying the target. It's almost like a sales system, in essence. <laughs> you, you identify who you're trying to talk to and make sure that you're relevant to them. Absolutely, it's pretty pretty straightforward. You have to. So, is there a is there a basic process that you go through, or things that people should consider, marketing teams should consider when they're building out their initial target list? How do you get started in this? I mean, consider someone who's never reached out to media before, right? Yeah, I mean, where do you start? Like, as I said, it's target media. It's identifying specific journalists, for example, within the larger larger media publications, even the online publications, um, you know, or, or the hybrid publications like IFR, Smart Company or Smart Company is totally online. But, 
you know, identify the journalists and build relationships with them. It is a sales thing, Ali. It's it's yep. like a long-term um, approach and if you are looking to bootstrap it, you do have to accept that you must invest time in it because it's you have to respect it, you know. If you don't uh, – anyway, yep. I could rant for a long yeah, time yeah. about that. Um, You've got to build relationships. It's It's not – you have to. Yeah. yeah, because it is such a discipline. Like we said right at the start, anybody can say anything about themselves on social media. Editorial media is so valuable because the barriers to entry are so high. Yep. You know, so we can we can pitch a story that doesn't make it through mm-hmm. uh, because it's obviously there on editorial merit. So yep. make sure that those, I guess that respect is there. You educate yourself about the media targets, the specific journalists. But then obviously you always want to try and link it back into your own story. And there are, I've never worked with a business or a brand that I haven't had that kind of discovery chat with where I've gone, no, nah, I can't hear a story here mm-hmm. or I can't hear a number of stories here. Yep. So, you know, it's really basic. But again, look at the problem you're trying to solve. Look yep. at the impact you're trying to make. And then understanding the media narrative yep. is really, um, that is the most important part of it. You also have a habit of seeing the best in people, I feel. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're right. So, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Yeah. But it's, it, it's <laughs> Thanks, a, Ali. That's a lot. But, but it is a trait, uh, you know, obviously that, that serves you in a certain way, but it's, it's probably, I would imagine as a tactic, it's a trait that people need to uh, adopt to some extent as well. They've got to really reflect on themselves. And uh, I think, you know, I might be speaking for uh, some of the business community here, but I think people can be hard on themselves too, right? Sometimes you have stories that are worth telling in the right setting. Perhaps, you know, you wouldn't take it to Forbes or Channel 9 or whichever other mammoth you're thinking of but in the right setting there's a story worth telling mm. and it could be a small local podcast it could be exactly a little industry event a gig that you should go and appear at and you don't know what the value of that will be two three years down the line in fact actually you were telling me a story about uh, a radio show that you appeared on and you ran into someone uh, just recently yeah. yeah and they said Lana I heard you on that particular radio segment which was legitimately I think like four or five years ago yeah so and how did you feel about that radio segment because that's the bit i remember oh look at the time yeah i it was it was more of a broad kind of uh i guess a sort of fluffy segment um but i mean i think i think what it boils down to is also your ability to connect with somebody you know so i guess even the podcast it's like when someone's listening to you talk they're resonating with oh i think i know who ali is as a human and i can connect with that if you can't connect with someone or something or a brand or whatever, I think that's when, you know, obviously the the um, decision's going to take longer. You totally – that's a very kind thing you just said. Uh, it's true. But if you don't believe in yourself, and this is a sales principle, this is something I learned in my sales career, yeah. if you don't believe in it and you can't then communicate it to other people, how is anybody else going to? So if yeah. you can't believe in, okay, well, I've got the potential to tell this story or appear in this media publication or whatever it is – how are you ever going to convince somebody yep. else to do it? Yep, yep. So you uh, kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm speaking from personal experience here as well, mm. but uh, I feel a lot of people fall into this bucket, which I know from experience speaking to other business owners and founders and their teams, in that they could have 20 good stories in their business, how they started, where they went, what they have to offer, what their background is before their business. There's yeah. so many things that they can use to build a voice, but they don't believe that's worth using in their voice. Yeah, and look, sometimes it does take an outside ear, to be fair, Correct. and that's definitely something that I learned as I came into the world of media. You do need to sort of train that ear up a little bit to understand, yeah, there's the media angle. There it is yep. right there. You can kind of hear it. Um, yep. But again, you know, it's something you can you can upskill yourself over time and that starts with understanding the media. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know, so you, you've been doing this a long time, right? How has the digital space changed the tactics that you use? What are some of the things that people can leverage with all of the digital platforms or technologies available to power up a media or PR strategy? The digital world, in my opinion, as well as a few other kind of external forces, has actually made the media landscape, I think, more um, – there's more opportunities now than there have ever been. 
So like you mentioned before, there's podcasting, there's like there's all of this niche media out there now, which is really exciting because those audiences are generally more engaged than, you know, a broader, I guess, you know, the Channel 9, the the um, papers, etc. So I think the digital world has given us more options as consumers. It's yep. given us more opportunities as potential commentators in that space. Yeah. Uh, go with the credible options is I will say there's there's uh, credible and otherwise out there in the world of media and digital media especially. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, again, it just – the opportunities are so much greater than there ever were. But on a negative level, I guess, or on a, you know, negative from the media's perspective, the churn of information is so much faster. Mm. So our expectation as viewers that when we're watching, whether it's Channel 9, whether it's, you know, a Facebook page of news and information – we expect to be up to the minute all the time. Whereas, you know, when I was growing up, you'd sit there yeah. and watch the 6pm news as a family, or we yeah. certainly did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was how you were getting, it, it'd be the paper and it'd be the news and the radio. Whereas now we're expecting up to the minute stuff all the time. So that's quite hard to service, obviously, from a media perspective. Yeah. But it does mean that the thirst for content is greater. Yep. So there are more opportunities. Yep. Again, maybe I'm a glasses half full person. No, no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking from, you know, from the angle of someone that's practiced digital marketing for a long time, there's a huge opportunity because every digital platform's algorithm is essentially designed to serve more of what someone consumes, mm. right? So if you have a story that's worthwhile, if you have a story that is relevant to a particular group, however large or small, and you get it into the right places with enough frequency, Yeah, it's going to get served. That's it. And yeah, you might put 10 posts up and no one looks at them and you get no likes, but that's not the stuff that you need to focus on. If you continue to bring that story back, you publish the right content, whether that's social media, you're getting media placements, um, you know, any number of activities, eventually it's going to get served. Absolutely. And look, if you... You know, you might get a, a gig on a podcast or on a even in a community newspaper or a radio station that you feel like, oh, really, how many eyes and ears are on that thing? Yeah. If you, and pardon my own, you know, I guess mentioning my company name here, but if you leverage that piece of media, you can actually, the perception, because perception counts for so much, right? Yeah. If, you, if your audience can look at that and think, oh, wow, like they were on that podcast or they were doing that thing, that's where the value is. It's yeah. not necessarily always only in that original engagement. So yeah. that's also if I'm, you know, dispensing practical advice, yeah. that's also what I would really, really encourage. And that's big and small business, you know, put the thing in front of your audience, whatever that thing is. Yeah, yep. And are there any certain channels or common places that you would encourage everyone to start participating in? Is there something that's <laughs> universal? Oh, yeah, LinkedIn's kind of my favourite, to be honest. Yep. Is Especially that, for a business audience. Is that your question? Yeah, yeah. I, I am a really, really big fan of LinkedIn. But again, you know, it's the same with any platform. If you're looking at social media, I mean, video, obviously, and you understand that really well um, as a channel or not a channel, as a format, I guess, of how we're consuming, it's critical. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, social media platform, it's definitely, it's definitely my favourite. Yep. And... Just again, making sure that whatever the the win is, yep. making sure that your audience knows about it, uh, because again, we're getting so many messages all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a disclaimer. This is not a political podcast. No. <laughs> no. But but what do you think of Donald Trump? Oh wow, that's a really broad, big question, <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that. I don't. I think he's kind of fascinating, uh, but I don't like the guy. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't. I remember when he was on. Um, what was that TV show? The uh, the the Apprentice. Apprentice. Yeah, yeah, I was fascinated by his personality. Then I think he's yeah. a dangerous man in all seriousness. Yeah. But uh, he's an interesting. He's an interesting character. Yeah. yeah. Love him or hate him, I I think he's one of the best examples of a PR mastermind. I mean, really what that guy's done True. is PR, right? Can't argue with so, that. And yeah, exactly. You, you really can't dispute that. Again, I say- Good and bad. Lo love him or hate him, right? And <laughs> yeah. you know, whether, whether his practices are ethical or not, that's f for a different kind of podcast or debate, but he, he's a PR mastermind. But for those you know that haven't watched The Great Hack, it's, an, it's a documentary I encourage people to watch just to get an understanding of what we're dealing with when it comes to digital platforms as well. But it's the best example of, I mean, 
someone that went from being a joke to becoming a leader of the free will, as they say, right? <laughs> and and yeah. did it. I mean, so much of that was story design, delivery of the story design, leveraging algorithms, digital platforms to get that in front of the right people. And I, I read a study somewhere, and I don't, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I believe his uh, funding was about a third of Hillary Clinton at the time. Right? Yeah, I believe that. And there was... Uh, another study that was available where it was determined there was a comparison between Bush's campaigns and his campaigns. The amount that he spent on owned media, mm. so stuff that he's created yep. versus Bush, was significantly lower. And the amount of value that he's generated in earned media was about 50 times the next competitor of all the presidents that have ever advertised um, for the US elections. Wow. And it's it's worth, you know, if anyone who's interested in how uh, PR shows up in the grandest of ways, it's worth exploring uh, what really went on there from the perspective of marketing literature. But mm. you know, you've you've got a guy that really, to me, I, I thought he was a joke when he first came on um, and announced that yep. he was going to be running, and he became the president of the United States. <laughs> and the way he did it was pick a story. I mean, he played on people's you know insecurities, and he he had the right meta at the right time. So back to your words. Right story, right time has so yeah. much to do with things. Uh, but whoever his team was, a bunch of geniuses. I mean, they played the game. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with it. I mean, the word that jumped into my head as you were talking then was propaganda. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. there's, and there's obviously a difference between propaganda and, and public relations. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, they're not they're not they're sort of, you know, one's a good cousin, one's a bad cousin. Mm. So um yeah, I mean it's a really interesting comparison if you wanna Look back yeah. at some of the the world leaders and yeah. how they utilized yep. propaganda and public relations. <laughs> uh, it's a topic for another day, but um, yeah, like it, him or hate him, you can't argue with that. It's it's kind of it's it's like in sales. You know, you can be a great sales influencer. You can use it for good. You can use it for bad. <laughs> you can manufacture shit. You can deliver authentic value. Yeah, and that's really you know in the um, that that's up to the person. That really comes down to how you want to use that influence and power. Yeah, good or evil. Yeah, that I'm old archetype, Marvel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. That superhero I'm, question. I'm, I'm picturing the Green Goblin when when we say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. I dig it. Yeah, the philosophical question yeah. of life. Yeah. Um, Lana, I would like to. I would like to finish up with uh, one last uh, topic. You love to speak about, in our conversations, hitting two birds with one stone, but many <laughs> birds with one stone. Yep. How does that apply in the PR context? Uh, practically, tactically, what can someone do to extract the maximum amount of value from the efforts they invest in a PR strategy? Uh, it's a hard one to answer concisely. I mean, firstly, obviously, the consistency that we've spoken about at length and the consistency and oh. the alignment with your overall message. Yep. Because then the the uh, kind of the the power behind that, if you're thinking about it as like an ammunition thing, like the power behind it is going to be at its at its maximum, uh, yep. rather than just being a kind of fluffy lightweight piece of media or whatever. So make sure that the message is is really good and and aligned and strong. Um, but then yeah, it's it's the leveraging part. It's that's how you maximize the um, the impact of of the PR that you're doing. Again, whether it's marketing, PR, um, you've put me on the spot a bit there. But yeah, look, I think my my comment related to killing <laughs> killing maximum birds with one stone, which is pretty yeah. uh, graphic, but it's yeah, it's about how do you make sure that thing is going to have the best and and the varying ways of impact as possible. So yeah. just, yeah, don't ever look at it as an isolated thing. Yeah. How can you make more of that? How can yeah. you maximise the potential in that? Yeah. And just for clarity, you're not really about killing birds, right? <laughs> I'm definitely not. No, yeah. as, a, as a mother of two, my kids would be very upset <laughs> to I, I, hear me talking like that. I didn't want you to come away <laughs> from today's episode with a PR disaster on your hands. So <laughs> no, all I thought good. I'd clarify that. No, maximum benefit. You yep. know, look, work smarter, not harder. All of yep. those cliches, they're yep. all true. Yeah. If I can add to that, you know, now that I sort of uh, evaluate how we go about things, 
we've talked about strategy a lot. We've talked about story, branding, and message a yep. fair bit. Yeah. So we've talked PR strategy, but we've had a lot of discussion around messaging, branding, story. And that's very applicable in a lot of the work that we do as well. We run acquisition campaigns for people. However, we're often winding back and going, no, wait, what's your message? What's your brand? What do you stand for? Like when we run this acquisition campaign and we stick a page up and we're going to run, you know, $300,000 a month worth of advertising to it, we can't just send it to a page where we've just tried to make the best sell, right? We, we want to know that we're saying something that's really resonating with people. It's connecting with them. And it's relevant to what the audience thinks, feels, or needs. Yep. And that's very relevant to what we're discussing here as well, like with the PR strategy. I mean, uh, that piece is something that a business should do at any level, irrespective of whether you're doing PR strategy or not. You should consider what your story is, what you stand for, what your values are, find something that resonates with people. And then that's the thing that can be spread through the many different activities, whether that's then PR acquisition campaigns, uh, you know, promotional community building campaigns, what, whatever you decide to put your energy into. Exactly. Yeah, that common thread, that sense of purpose. Yeah. Yep, that's ex- exactly. It's going to give you the maximum return yep. on, on your time. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Lana, thank you for your time today. You're so um, welcome. This has been an amazing conversation. Before we wrap up though, did you, could you just share where people can connect with you? Sure. Uh, I mean, you can Google Lana with two N's, L-A-N-A dot Hill, uh, Leverage Media. You'll find me. I'm pretty searchable online. Yep. (laughs) And keep an eye out for Lana on the TV soon as well. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. We'll see. They let me back on. All right. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Thanks, Thank you, Lana. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And that wraps up today's conversation with Lana Hill around accelerating business, marketing or sales performance using PR strategy. If you took anything away from this episode or you have any questions, reach out to me or one of my team members on social media or otherwise uh, share the episode, like, subscribe, and we'll see you on next week's episode.